Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance and guests on the Goodyear Hotline, as always, back and better than ever. And I mean that somewhat literally, as I am back here on the radio for the first time in many years. It had been a little bit of a hiatus, and a lot of people have said, Greeny, why did you want to come back and do radio again? And one of the reasons is... There's something cathartic about being able to share with you experiences that take place in my life. And so I feel a need, before I get into all this football stuff that I have in front of me, to tell you what happened to me this morning. I feel a need to tell you how my day began. Uh, Bubba doesn't know the story yet. Uh, Hashtag Bubba, are you with me here? I am here. Okay, I'm going to talk you through my morning. So my alarm goes off to wake me up at 4.30 this morning, which is my custom. And I get up. Stace is not home. Stace is, we have a, a house in Connecticut and a place in the city. Stace is at our place in the city for whatever reason. And I'm in the house in Connecticut with Stephen, my 18-year-old son, who's, of course, asleep. It's 4.30 in the morning. So I get up and I go into the bathroom where I'm going to take a shower and all this kind of stuff and get ready to go. And I, a sneeze comes upon me. Now, I am a healthy sneezer, which is to say, when I sneeze, people generally hear it pretty far away. I sneeze so loudly that it sets off my alarm. The home, the burglar alarm goes off, and I go what? running over to shut it. I happen to be standing right near the window in my bathroom, and it says, I know nothing bad is happening because it actually says, Master Bathroom Shatter Glass. So I know it's literally that, that I have set off my alarm with a sneeze. What does that even mean? At 4.33 in the morning. It means it was so loud that the, the, the sensors perceived it to be someone smashing the glass. That, that's how they tell when this happened. It's the noise. Wow. And so it sets off the alarm. So I've now set off the alarm, which I shut off. So now I've got quite a conundrum. I want you to picture this circumstance, Bubba, and you tell me what you would do. It's 4.31 in the morning. I'm fully naked. I mean, I'm completely nude here. I've, I've taken, I'm about to jump into the shower. I have no clothes on. I've come running out to shut off this alarm. And now, it has not woken up Stephen, because he's 18, he can sleep through at anything. But what might happen is the police might come. <laughs> so, at any moment right now, because the phone number that they will call is my wife, and she's not present, and it is possible the police are going to come. So I'm stuck between, do I jump in the shower, get myself ready to go, and run the risk that the police are going to come into my house thinking I'm being robbed, I don't know how they would do it, break down a door, whatever it is that they do, and encounter either A, my sleeping 18-year-old son in his room, or B, me nude in the shower, or do I stand there, I don't know, put a towel on or something, and just wait (laughs) quietly. I don't want to call the police at 4.30 in the morning to tell them nothing's going on, because what could sound more suspicious than that? So you tell me, Bubba, what would you... I mean, if you're the police and you get a call 4.30 in the morning, disregard that alarm that just went off at this such-and-such residence, you're not going to react to that. So, Bubba, you tell me what would you have done if you were me? Well, I think I'd start by throwing a towel on. Okay. I think I'd do that first. Um, I mean, I think I'd assume you got to have a number somewhere for the security company. I do, but it's 4.30 in the morning and Stace handles all that stuff. So that, I don't have it handy. Right. That sounds I right. know I can find it, but I don't know where and I don't know how quickly. I'll tell you what I did. I think, I mean, knowing you, I'm guessing you called Stacy and woke her up. No, I did not. Really? I did not. No. Wow. I rolled the dice. Wow. All right. I had shut it off and so quickly. You hope it was that quick that it was just. I took a quick okay. shower. I mean, quick. I was in and out of that shower real fast. 
And, and I got dressed and I just kind of stood there waiting until, you know, until I felt perfectly confident that no one was going to come and I, and I went to work. And so that was, but that's how my day started. And when your day starts with that, I will tell you. I got the adrenaline going. I, I, I have been fired up. Brandon sitting in here. How crazy am I all morning long? In breaks, I'm up, I'm walking around. It's like I drink nine cups of coffee today, even though I had the same amount of coffee I always do. I am, I am extra fired up, wired up today, Bubba, and I'm convinced that's the reason for it. Well, that'll do it. I, <laughs> I mean, had you ever wondered if you could, and, and it, it's 100% true story, on, on, my, on the lives of everyone I love, I set off the burglar alarm this morning by sneezing. Yeah, I mean, I think they want to, They might want to come and take a look at that and check their settings. That is a 100% like something wrong there. true story. Uh, look, I mean, I could have lived without it, but it's what happened. Okay. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. You could save big when you bundle your home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. So right before the hour ended, I was telling you the thing with Russell. Did you see what Russell Wilson did? So a tweet goes out that Chris Carson has re-signed with Seattle, the running back, who I think that was not expected. That was not largely expected to happen. And Russell Wilson quote tweets it by writing verbatim the following. Big time, let's go 32. Now, this is very passive aggressive. This is very leaving yourself open for plausible deniability. Because he doesn't say, great to have you back, He doesn't say, can't wait to get back at it together. He doesn't say, let's go win this thing. He doesn't say, go Hawks, which he has said in every sentence I've ever heard him speak since he was drafted by Seattle. He just says, big time, let's go 32. He won't say what he's thinking. And there's no obvious reason why he can't accept that what he's thinking is, I want out of Seattle. And I'm telling you, that's what's going to happen. Adam Schefter, I am the Shefty Whisperer. Shefty doesn't go on TV, <coughs> as he did on my TV show last week, and say, Greeny, I'm not closing the door on this. Uh, th- there is still a good chance that he gets traded. He doesn't say that, unless down deep inside, Shefty really believes he's going to get traded. And so what's going to happen is the following. The Seahawks want to replace Russell Wilson with one of the quarterbacks in this year's draft. They want to restart the rookie salary cap clock on their quarterback. They went to two Super Bowls when Russell Wilson was on a rookie salary. Um, And that's what they want to do. So they want to wait and see, do they love Zach Wilson? Do they love Justin Fields? Or do they not love any of these guys enough? If they come to the conclusion, maybe that's the big X factor in this. Do they love any of these guys enough to say, I want to spend the rest of my life with him, Zach Wilson, or him, Justin Fields, or him, Trey Lance. When they do, I believe they will say to the Bears, because I believe the Bears have 100% not given up on this, they will say to the Bears, go find us a trade partner. You go talk to the Jets. You go talk to the Dolphins. You go talk to the Eagles at six. You go talk to the Bengals at five. You go talk to one of these teams, and you figure out the trade that gets us that pick. You get Russell. That team gets whatever it is they get and a ton of, of trade capital goes off, and the Bears trade everything in the world plus $10, just as they were willing to before. The Bears get Russell. The Seahawks get whoever that player turns out to be, the pick that turns into one of those quarterbacks, and this other team gets all of the draft capital. That is the way this thing goes, and that is what I believe is going to happen. Again, it does depend 
upon the Bears deciding that one of these, not the Bears, excuse me, the Seahawks deciding that one of these quarterbacks is the guy they want to do that with. But I think they will. The guy they'll really want to do it with is Zach Wilson, but I don't think the Jets will give that pick up. The Jets will not give that pick up unless that pick turns into Russell Wilson. And I have no reason to believe the Jets and Russell Wilson are involved. I've been given no indication, I've talked to everyone I can, that that's on the table in any way. So I don't think it'll be two. So I think then you start looking at three, which is Miami, four, which is Atlanta, I don't know, five, Cincinnati. Let's see what happens. But that three-way trade, I believe, is the way Russell Wilson still gets dealt this offseason. I'll talk about it with Mike Tannenbaum. He's going to join me live coming up in about 20 minutes. Up next, I will address briefly the worst thing that happened in sports this weekend by far. That's next after this word from DraftKings. You know, UFC 260 is an event you cannot miss. And DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is offering all players a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, pile up, point, pile up points for advances and takedowns and a whole lot more. DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app right now. Use my name, Greeny, as the code. You get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's code Greeny, only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Back in a flash on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call ClickGranger.com or just stop by. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Bubba always knows. You throw a little Taylor Swift down there and I'm in a good mood. Uh, delighted that you're with me here. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. Mike Tannenbaum will join me with NFL Wheeling and Dealing in just a few minutes on the Goodyear hotline. I'm only going to take about a minute on this, on what I told you was the worst thing that happened in sports this weekend by far. You probably saw the story about E.J. Liddell, who was a terrific college basketball player at Ohio State. Ohio State had a great year, and D.J. Liddell was one of their best players, and they lost in a big upset on Friday, a game no one expected them to lose to Oral Roberts, and it was a, a, a tough loss, obviously, for Ohio State. And the fact that E.J. Liddell actually played a really good game has nothing whatsoever to do with this story, but it is... It's interesting, if not relevant. And the following day, I saw it on Saturday morning. I'm not exactly sure when he posted it. But he posted screenshots of stuff that people were sending him on social media. And it was, tragically, it was exactly what you'd expect it to be. It was death threats. It was racial stuff. It was just horrific. 
And I don't you know. Charles said it. Charles Barkley said it on TV. And I feel this way kind of, which is I don't even want to. I don't even want to justify these people by mentioning them on the air, like the stuff that gets that they say. I, I, I don't even want to give them the credibility. It's, it's sort of like the same mentality of when someone runs on a football field, you know, naked or whatever it is, even just runs out onto a football field. The TV networks don't show it because what they want is that attention and you don't want to give it to them. But there's a part of me that feels like someone in my position can't just let that happen and not make some comment. And the comment that I have made repeatedly over this sort of thing, because tragically we see it far too often, is whoever you are, when you're sending that note, just be aware that everyone knows that you're the loser in this scenario. Not one person whose opinion means anything, not someone you know, not someone you care about, not anyone, looks at that and says, Boy, you sure showed him. Good for you. That's really well done. You really owned that guy or whatever other reaction it is you're looking for. Whatever steam it is you feel like you're blowing off in that moment, just be aware that every reasonable person, including the ones you know, see it for what it is, which is that kid did everything he could. He tried as hard as he could. And, and, and I would, this has nothing to do with the fact that he actually happened to play well that day. But obviously it didn't because they had another kid on that team who had a terrible game, and it is what it is. But just be aware that everyone who sees that knows who the loser in the equation is. And if that factors into the way you approach things the next time, then maybe I'll have done something good by justifying what it is you did enough. Justifying is not the right word. What's the word I'm looking for? I'm... I, there's a part of me that doesn't even want to give it the credence of, of mentioning it on the air. But I, I think in this case, you have to. So anyway, that was the worst thing I saw in sports this weekend by far. In the meantime, uh, the LeBron James injury so just completely changed topics here, 180 degrees. Did you see him go down on Saturday? Holy smoke. Was that a moment where you thought to yourself, well, the NBA season as we know it has just changed in every conceivable way. Tell me when LeBron went down with the way his leg bent and the way he was pounding the ground in a combination of pain and frustration, and it's more frustration than pain. Athletes like him, they know their bodies better than you know anything. And so while I'm sure that hurt a lot, I don't think LeBron is pounding the ground in pain. I think he's pounding it in a combination of frustration and fear that he may be really hurt, like that this might have been the kind of thing that costs you the rest of the season. And so when he makes that three and then walks off the floor, I have to believe there was some element, enormous element of relief for him as there was for the rest of us. And now we get the report that, that it's a high ankle sprain, which is a bad injury, but he'll be back in a month. So let's call it a month on him. Let's call it a month from now that LeBron and Anthony Davis are back and playing for the Lakers, and they're going to go out. Woj was on TV with me this morning saying they're going to go out and get Andre Drummond. Forget about the trade deadline. They'll be busy in the post-trade deadline signing period. So they're looking. They've identified Andre Drummond is the guy they want, defense, rebounding, rim protection, et cetera. So the, the fascinating part of this now becomes the Western Conference is a race for the sixth seed. The sixth seed becomes much more important than the one seed right now because you might have to play the Lakers in round one. You might have to play them in the play-in rounds. Remember, if you haven't been paying close attention to this, this year, seven, eight, nine, ten, we got a play-in tournament. 
The Lakers are a bad week away from being in position for that. The Lakers are right now two and a half games ahead of the Trailblazers, who are sixth, and they are four games ahead of the Spurs, who are seventh. You don't think they could lose four games in the standings without LeBron and Anthony Davis over the course of a month? It could happen. So the Lakers could wind up being the best team ever. Well, this is to be the first year of the play-in tournament. <coughs> I guess they had it last year before the bubble. But you know what I'm saying. The Lakers could wind up in that. Imagine you're Utah. You have the best season of any team in the NBA. You get the one seed in the West. And coming out of the play-in tournament in round one, you get a fully healthy Lakers with LeBron and AD. So the race for the sixth seed, which means you avoid the play-in, and you don't get either of the top two teams in round one, that all of a sudden becomes the most fascinating spot in the Western Conference. By the way, the other piece of this that's interesting, with injuries, LeBron James hurt, Embiid hurt right now, the clear favorite to win MVP in the NBA is Nikola Jokic. Hembo sent me the odds. LeBron is 4.5 to 1, Embiid is 6 to 1, Giannis 7.5 to 1, Harden is 10 to 1. Jokic is plus 110. Jokic is the favorite right now by with 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 by no clear, I mean by a clear measure. Like with no clear cut close second place. LeBron being out a month, take him out of it. Embiid's injury, let's see. Giannis isn't going to win it a third straight time, and I don't think they'll give it to Harden either. Nikola Jokic feels like a very good bet. He is a clear favorite right now to win MVP at plus 110. All right, coming up, the, the one team that has had by far the worst week in the NFL and what they can do about it. The answer right after this. I'm Greeny on ESPN Radio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, 
visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Greeny, the podcast. Oh, yeah. Greeny with you coming to you live from the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. And as always, it is my pleasure as we are looking back on the week that was in the National Football League and looking ahead to the draft, which is starting to sneak up us on us here to bring in the general manager of my team, which is Mike Tannenbaum, who's with me on the Goodyear Hotline. Hello again, Mike Tannenbaum. Hello, Greeny. So let, let's start with the Russell Wilson of it all. because You made an interesting point this morning with us on TV, and I think it's worth uh, going over again here for those who were not with us today. And that is that the idea of Russell Wilson going to Chicago, it just feels like it has too many things about it to give up on. The Bears clearly want to move heaven and earth to make it happen. And Russell Wilson, as passive-aggressively as he has chosen to go about it, seems to want that to happen as well. So, Mike T., in order to make that happen for Russell and for the Bears, there's going to need to be another team involved. Yeah, Greeny, it's unusual, but it does happen once in a while, which would be Russell Wilson would go to Chicago. Sam Darnold would go from the New York Jets to Seattle. So now Seattle has their quarterback, potentially, of the future. And then the picks start moving around as well. So I think maybe a second-round pick goes to from Chicago to the Jets in terms of that's what uh, I think Sam Darnold's value is. And then, you know, a truckload of picks um, would have to go to Seattle for giving up Russell Wilson. Now, the key to this is going to be, can the Jets still hold on to the second pick so they could get their quarterback? I thought you actually made an interesting idea too, which is if, this is a huge if, Greeny, if Russell Wilson was interested in going to New York, could you then get maybe Russell Wilson to the Jets and now maybe it would be for their picks they have two this year and they they've loaded up for the next couple of years. And now Russell Wilson goes to the jets and Seattle gets all their picks and possibly Sam Darnold. So that to me is a secondary conversation, which is very interesting, but I think fundamentally for Seattle to do this at the end of the day, for them to pull the trigger, I think they would need Sam Darnold because I don't see another quarterback that they can get where they're drafting that they think they can win with. So, so that feels to, those could happen in two separate trades too, is the thing because it feels to me like if the Jets have made up their minds that they're taking Zach Wilson at number two, then their most attractive trade chip goes away. They have a variety of picks, to your point. They have another first-rounder this year and two of them next year. And you could start throwing all that into a trade if you wanted to. But if they're not getting themselves Russell Wilson, then I'm not sure why they want to get involved in any of that. What They're, they're getting mixed up in something there's no reason for them to. So it does feel to me, Mike, well, you tell me, let's, let's not put the cart in front of the horse. It feels to me just reading the tea leaves, like that's the direction the Jets are going to go. The Jets are going to draft Zach Wilson at two, and they're going to trade Sam Darnold somewhere. Is that what it feels like to you? Yeah, absolutely. And then the, the most logical landing spot, if nothing else would hop, happen, Greeny, I think it would be Chicago because he's cost-effective, and despite them having Andy Dalton, I think he's a better player than Dalton, and assuming that Foles is no longer there. I think the only way that it makes sense for him to go to Seattle would be as if uh, Seattle was comfortable with him as a starter and they have, again, a, a bushel full of picks for the future. So uh, I think ultimately when it's all said and done, those are the two teams I think Sam Darnold winds up uh, between now and the time the Jets turn in the card on drafting. Greeny and Mike Tannenbaum, you, you know what it makes me think about is 
the extraordinary value of a quarterback on a rookie contract. Like, that's what this is ultimately about. The Seahawks may be looking at the situation, and again, to be fair to them, they've not given, at least publicly, anyone the idea that they're going to trade or are willing to trade Russell Wilson. But I think the feeling is they they are, and the reason is because they perceive a quarterback on a rookie contract to be, in its own way, as valuable as having a player as good as Russell is if he's not all in at the price tag that he has. It, it, as, as you put together teams, which is what you did for a living for so long, tell me how that makes sense. Yeah, it just gives you the chance to add a, a number of players, veteran players, at competitive prices in the marketplace. And we're seeing that uh, more and more in terms of like Patrick Mahomes. He went from a rookie contract where they had all these great veteran players like Sammy Watkins, they were able to add um, just make that Frank Clark trade. And we've already seen that they've moved on from both their starting tackles because Patrick Mahomes is already moving on within his veteran contract. And that's just the reality of it. Now, look, you'd rather have Patrick Mahomes and cap problems than, than not, but that's just the simple reality of it. And I think the one exception, and you brought this up green, I think it's so it's a fascinating conversation, which is, you know, Washington, having Ryan Fitzpatrick on his contract, albeit not a rookie contract, it's a lot better than some of the, these other veteran contracts, and they could go out and add players like Curtis Samuel and William Jackson, a really good corner. So um, it's, the allocation is going to come from somewhere. So to the extent you could save from a veteran contract, the better the other pieces around the team can be. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is that every team, every GM, every everyone is going to say what we want is a star quarterback. But at the end of the day – only a small handful of those guys wind up winning because only a tiny little handful of those guys can overcome whatever the flaws on a roster are that are created by their salaries. So it really is a conundrum, and and, and Tom Brady kind of skews everything. But frankly, Brady has been paid, while not like a rookie, he has been paid way less than what his performance has has dictated, you would think, over the last 15 years, and that's probably, Mike, why he's been in 10 Super Bowls. There's no question about it. I think this year is, like, the best, most clear example of it. Look at all the great players. They will keep. Shaq Barrett is a premier p- pass rusher. He's back. They could tag Chris Godwin, a young emerging receiver. They keep their kicker, Ryan Suckup. They're going to hopefully keep – well, they kept Levante David, the other starting linebacker. They're hopefully going to keep – Dominican Sue, a good defensive tackle. So we've seen it happen. And then you look at, you know, just their other people in the NFC. The Saints are going to take a step back. The Eagles are going to take a step back. They've lost their quarterbacks and their cap room. And Aaron Rodgers, to me, is the only other guy that could be standing at the end of this conversation. And we've talked about that for two years. Does he have enough of a supporting cast? And he's not saying he's part to blame, but when he's making $14 million more per year, then Tom Brady, that's Chris Godwin right there. So when it's so close and Tom Brady can add one or two more pieces than Aaron Rodgers can, that's why one guy has a title and the other guy doesn't. Yeah, and, and it's it's an interesting one because the question is, which would you rather have? And, and I, I can't criticize anyone for saying, I can only play this game for a short period of time. I'm going to make every penny I possibly can and let them figure out the rest around me. There's nothing wrong with that. But the reality is, Rodgers hasn't been in the Super Bowl in 10 years. Drew Brees didn't go to the Super Bowl for the last 10 years of his career. We could go on and on with quarterbacks who got all of this money, and it's probably not a coincidence that we keep playing Super Bowls without them. 
You know, the other interesting guy in this conversation to me is Jimmy Garoppolo because when healthy, they've been very productive in San Francisco. And Greeny, to me, they've done a remarkable job. When you think about it is tailor-made for a quarterback between Trent Williams at left tackle, they added Alex Mack, and they have a ton of young skill players from Raheem Mostert, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, on and on and on. So if Garoppolo could stay healthy, he's also in that sweet spot of Tom Brady in the mid-20s in terms of salary where he, I think they could compete with Tampa Bay, but he, it's been such a problem with his durability that I think that's why he really hasn't been part of this discussion. Greeny and Mike Tannenbaum on the Goodyear Hotline. Goodyear helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear more driven. I, maybe I'm going too deep in the weeds here, but I'm interested in it. How is this going to change now with the new salary cap? When the new TV deals kick in, we saw all the reporting about it last week. It's it's a trillion dollars. Let's just let's throw a round number at it, right? It's it's something like a trillion dollars is what the NFL is going to have. So the salary cap is going to explode. Is this going to become less of a problem for teams, or are quarterback salaries going to increase proportionately with them? Like, are we about to see quarterbacks getting paid fifty million dollars a year? Yeah, I think it's much more of the latter because when you study that, like from a macro standpoint, Greeny, over time quarterbacks have been getting larger percentages of the cap. So if I was the Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson, if I was the Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen, I would be sprinting to get those deals done because whatever they wanted, my answer is yes, because it's only going to go up. And at some point within the next year or two, someone's going to surpass Patrick Mahomes north of 45, as you said, into 50 million. And that's why these rookie contracts are so paramount to, to hit on with the quarterbacks and the pieces around them. And I think while there'll be breathing room for teams to get out from under some of these dead cap charges as the cap goes back up, when you just look at the last five years, the trend is the bigger pieces of the pie are going to the quarterbacks. All right, fair enough. One more thing. While I have you here, Mike Tannenbaum, let's let's do a story. Just going to sit back and have a little story time. Tell me a story. You know, it has been a long time that I have been making this reference on TV, but I, I wonder if, if sometimes people don't know what reference I'm making. I continue to say that you, again, for those that don't know Mike's background, you worked under Bill Belichick, you worked under Bill Parcells. Those are the guys that you learned from, worked with, and, and have been around so much. Um, you one time, I forget exactly what the context of it was, and that's why I want you to tell the story. You told me a story about having a conversation with Bill Belichick in the sauna. And then because I am a trained journalist, I can't let that go without following up. And so for everyone who hears me constantly referencing the fact that you have saunaed as a verb with Bill Belichick, can you please share that story? When when exactly was it that you were in a sauna with Bill Belichick? Yeah, well, you know, it was during the years of 97, 98, 99. You know, I had the great fortune of working with just Hall of Famers all over the place, him and Coach Parcells. And the staff was ridiculous, Eric Mangini and Al Groh and Charlie Weiss and Todd Haley, Scott Pioli, on and on and on. And and Coach Belichick liked the sauna. So, you know, at night at Weeb Eubank Hall, um, you know, that would happen from time to time and kind of go over the news of the day of, you know, what's going on in the league. And it was kind of a little bit of like, you know, story time and wisdom time. Um, one thing about Coach Belichick in all seriousness, you know, I couldn't even give you the number, Greeny, 40 or 50 people that he's really uh, allowed, like created their careers, gave them their first starts um, from Jim Schwartz and Ozzie Newsome, Mike Lombardi, Thomas Dimitrov. And he has a real nurturing side, but he does like to go in the sauna. And there were late nights that, 
you know, it's funny because if you knew he was going to be in there, Greeny, you had to be prepared because it wasn't like you were just going to like relax, you know, because you're going in there with the boss. So you better know like, hey, this and this happened and coach, what do you think? So even though it was the sauna, like you still were like you had to be on top of your game. So there's pressure in the sauna is what you're saying. (laughs) With Coach Belichick, there was always pressure. (laughs) So what you're saying is in the sauna, the heat is on. No question about it. And it was on if, you know, you were having wings with him, a beer with him. Um, there was always pressure. And, yes, the heat was on. <laughs> I would like to have wings with, with Bill Belichick. I would. The one I, I was around him socially one time my whole life. He used to come on the old show every now and again. He sort of – I don't know if he liked us, but he tolerated us enough to come on from time to time. So I've interviewed him a bunch of times. But the only time I've ever been around him in, in what could be described as a social capacity was one of Charlie Weiss's – a big charity event for Charlie's charity, Hannah and Friends – I've told the story before. Mike and I were the MCs, and 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 that was the night that um, that Bill Pars- uh, Bill Belichick and and Charlie Weiss sang "Wanted Dead or Alive" on stage with John Bon Jovi. But the point of the story is that that when I arrived, that that event was at a hotel in New York, at the Waldorf in Manhattan, and I got there early enough that I wanted to go to the gym to get a workout in before I had to be downstairs for my duties. I walk into the gym. I swear to God, this is a true story. I told it at the time. There's a row of treadmills. In the, in, this, in the gym at the hotel, there's probably, I'm making this up, 15 treadmills. One of them is vacant. One. I walk over, I'm going to get on it, and I realize Belichick is on the one next to it. Bill Belichick, who's just <laughs> in the hotel to do this event, he's there. He's reading a lacrosse magazine. All right? I happen to glance. I can see he loves lacrosse. He's reading a lacrosse magazine. And I stood there, and Mike, I swear to God, I was so intimidated by the idea of having to make small talk that I just went back to my room and took a shower. I just gave up. I didn't work out because I was too intimidated. I could not have gone in that sauna where you were. I, was too, I did not get on the treadmill because I was too intimidated to have to make small talk with Bill. True story. You know, uh, one of the passions that you guys both love besides football, obviously, is golf. You know, he's... He has a real passion for the game. He plays on Nantucket in the summer, so I don't know. Maybe you guys could uh, break bread and you know play eighteen there. He is uh, invited, uh, Bill. If you're listening, or if word can get to him, you're invited to come play with me anytime you want, anywhere you'd like. Be happy to have you out to Bayonne or wherever you want to go play, because I would really enjoy that. Anyway, Tannenbaum, terrific. Thank you as always, and I will talk to you later this week. Sounds good. Thank you, Greeny. That's Mike Tannenbaum with me. I find that story fascinating. Don't you think? Like, like some these people. I don't know. Again, I place a disproportionate amount of significance on the the accomplishments of people in sports. I get it. I've dedicated my entire adult life to covering this, you know, comparatively meaningless nonsense. So I fully understand that. But there's just something about the concept of, like, getting in the sauna with Bill Belichick that I just can't picture. Like, I just can't picture it. I can't picture, you know, you're in the towel and you're sitting in there and the sweat. You know, know, everyone knows that feeling. You've been in a sauna, right? You first start to break that sweat, you know, and you're like, oof. Like if and and like Bill is sitting there and what are you saying? Like what did you say to Bill in the song? Like boy, <laughs> how about that uh, that one year you beat the Rams? Like I don't know what what would I say? I'm so awkward in that context. Like I've said it many times. The reason I do what I do for a living is that I'm so much more comfortable talking to a million people than I am talking to one. I'm much happier talking to a million people. You give me a microphone and you tell me, oh, there's a million people listening. I'm good with that. I'm not the least bit uncomfortable right now. I opened this hour by telling you that I set off my burglar alarm this morning by sneezing too loudly, and I stood there nude, afraid the police were going to come. I was perfectly comfortable telling you that. How much more vulnerable can a person be? 
And yet the idea of having to just make one minute of small talk with Bill Belichick on adjacent, uh, 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 what do you call it, uh, treadmills in the Waldorf Astoria Hotel, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. All right, the list. The list is what determines who matters in this business. The Green List. All right, a tournament again has been awesome so far, and hopefully we get some more really great games. The men's tournament continues with round one, uh, round two action today. The women continue on ESPN uh, today, tomorrow, the next day. So we got great college basketball, and I hope that you're enjoying it as much as I am enjoying it. My thanks again to Coach Beheim, Jim Beheim from Syracuse, who was on with me earlier today. Today's Green List, as chosen uh, exclusively by me, the world's foremost authority on all matters, the top five best players in the history of the men's NCAA tournament. Top five best players in the tournament. Number five. Five is Jerry West. And again, I could, I could sit here going through numbers all day long. Jerry West was named the most outstanding player in a tournament that he didn't win. His team didn't win, and he was named the most outstanding player. When you look at Jerry West's college numbers, the final four he played in, he averaged 30, 33 points and 12 and a half rebounds. Again, he was the most outstanding player, and his team didn't win. His numbers look like they have to be made up. Just go, take some time. I'm not going to waste the time with you here. Just if you have a minute, Google Jerry West's numbers in college. You will think to yourself, these have to be made up. There's no way in the world anyone did this. But Zeke from Cabin Creek absolutely did. He's five. Number four. Four is Ewing. Uh, Ewing, in my lifetime of watching college basketball, I believe has been the most dominant player. He led Georgetown to three Final Fours, three national championship games, and lost two of them by a combined total of three points. Lost to Carolina, a team that had Jordan, Worthy, and Sam Perkins on it, and lost in part because one of his teammates made a huge mistake, threw the ball away, threw it to the other team. One of the most famous plays ever. You know about what happened. We talked about it last week. Fred Brown threw the ball to James Worthy, and that was all she wrote. But Ewing was unbelievable. And the other one he lost, basically, he lost to Villanova pitching the perfect game. Villanova played maybe the greatest game ever. It was, it was the basketball equivalent of the perfect game. And still, Ewing's Georgetown teams lost those two games by a combined three points. He was the most individually dominant college basketball player I've watched in my lifetime. He's number four on this list. Number three. I put Leitner ahead of him, and I know that's going to make a lot of people mad because as an individual player, Leitner wasn't as good as Ewing, and he wasn't as good as a lot of other people. But you have to look at what he did. Christian Leitner brought brought Mike Krzyzewski and Duke from what they had become, which was a a uh, top-tier program that couldn't win the big one, He took them to the Final Four four straight years. All four years he was there, he hit ridiculously big shots to do it. An unbelievable one against UConn, then the legendary one against Kentucky. He won two national championships. He was the most outstanding player in one of them, averaged 17-8 in the Final Four and four Final Fours in his career. For what he accomplished and what he led his team to in those years, I believe he belongs where he is on this list, which is number three. Number two. I mean, he can't be ahead of Bill Walton. Walton played in three Final Fours, and it would have been four, but you weren't allowed to play as a freshman back then. Won two championships. He was the most outstanding player both times, and he played the single greatest game ever played. 1973 in the championship game, he was 21 of 22 from the floor, 44 points to win the championship against Memphis. He is number two on the all-time list. Number one. And number one is easy. I didn't even have to look at anything. Lou Alcindor is the greatest college player that ever lived at UCLA, 
or was only allowed to play three years with the varsity. By the way, his freshman team routinely beat the varsity in practice, but his teams that won the national championship all three years he was there. He was the most outstanding player in all three Final Fours. He averaged 26 points and 18 rebounds a game in the Final Four. He is the greatest college player of all time. He's the greatest high school player of all time. And he is, in my opinion, the most accomplished basketball player of all time. And he was an easy choice for number one on today's Green list of the top five best players in NCAA tournament history. Jerry West, Patrick Ewing, Christian Leitner, Bill Walton, and Lou Alcindor. And with that, what a fun day it has been today. Again, thank you, Coach Beheim. Thank you, Mike Tannenbaum. And thank you for hanging out. I'll see you back in Better Than Ever tomorrow right here on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.